All right, welcome in. It is another episode of RJ Bell's Dream Preview, the college basketball edition. I am AJ Hoffman. He is Griffin Warner. Griffin, how are you, man? I'm doing well. Uh, happy to get back in the winning column with my best bet. I'm a little disappointed when I ended our undefeated run, um, but looking forward to another 2-0. Well, uh, it was a one and one this week as I had a nice five pod win streak come to a crashing halt uh, yesterday when Stephen F. Austin just laid an egg against New Mexico State. Uh, Xavier Pinson did end up playing and played pretty well, um, but that's sort of the that's sort of the breaks when you uh, do a pod that on Sunday night for a game that's happening on Wednesday night. That's the risk you take is you think a guy's not going to play and then he does. So uh, unfortunate, but one and one again. So we move on and hopefully, yeah, get back to our, our two and O ways this week. And we've got a really good schedule for the weekend. And all four games that we're going to go over here are on uh Saturday. It is a big Saturday. And so, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, both our best bets are going to be on Saturday as well. Yes. So uh, you can forget about Friday, forget about Sunday if you want. Uh, this is when the big Hang dogs out with your are playing family all the- or something. You know, there is a there is a good Boise San Diego State game on Friday that would make it would have made our uh, rundown most weeks. This week it doesn't make the cut though because, like I said, we're we're pretty loaded for bear here. Let's go ahead and jump into it i guess and we'll start with the battle for indiana purdue at indiana we're going to project purdue as a road favorite here i'm going to go with about minus two and a half is what i'm expecting what do you see uh i see an endangered species um purdue is and i'll admit i have not really loved indiana on this podcast and probably for years and years and years um, but I feel like this is one of the biggest rivalries in all of sports. Um, maybe, and I don't like to like step on out on a limb like that too often, but it is a really big deal in the state of Indiana and, uh, Purdue unfortunately has gone in there with really good teams in the past and gotten embarrassed. I don't necessarily see that happening here. I still think that defending Zach ED is impossible for most teams. Um, and I don't, I'm a little worried if you're backing Indiana here that Trace Jackson Davis gets in foul trouble. Um, Cause if that happens, they're pretty limited, but uh, I do think the crowd venue is going to be off the chain as people used to say. And uh, I think this is a Indiana or nothing spot for me, but you probably knew that. I figured that would be the case. And this is one I, I'm I'll, I would lean the opposite way. And it's one that I'll have to fight to, to keep myself from betting probably. Okay. okay. Uh, this matchup, like if 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 we're gonna call this one of the the best rivalries in college basketball, uh, Indiana really needs to start picking up the pace. They've lost ten out of eleven in this matchup, and most of those by double digits. Purdue has been dominant in this series, and in fact, last year when Indiana won, Indiana won sixty eight sixty five in the first matchup. Uh, that was the first win for Indiana in this series since 2016, and it was the second win in the series since 2013. So when you consider these two teams play each other twice a year, like this has been about as lopsided as it can get as far as rivalry matchups go. 
But what you said about Trace Jackson Davis is kind of what this boils down to for me. I, I don't know if anybody on Indiana can handle Edie, but it, it feels like once once they get going and Trace Jackson Davis gets two fouls in the first half, like there's really not a there's not another body on that squad that has any prayer. So, and Zach Edie's just been he's on a different level right now. It's funny because he's one of these guys who's probably not an NBA guy, or if he is, he's like a second-round pick, like a bench fodder player. But he is, at this level, just absolutely dominant. And I don't really see the answer. Uh, and, and we just saw this with an undersized Penn State team who had no answer for Zach Eady. I, I, I think the fact that Indiana's only offensive threat is going to have to be the 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 guy who they throw at him on defense is is terrible news for Indiana. So again, I'm I'm trying my best to stay away from the road favorites, but I want nothing to do with Indiana here, especially given the recent history of this matchup. I don't blame you. Uh you might have just talked me off of it, <laughs> I gotta say. Um, but I am really sad that I didn't grab that Purdue 75 to one future. Uh, oh my futures pod earlier. Well, in- listen, Matt Painter in the, in the tournament, I think you're probably going to not regret that eventually, but it, it right now, I mean, you're pro- you're probably looking at a team. I don't know how they don't end up with a one seed. So right, like, right. It, they'd have to, because their remaining schedule, the remaining big 10 schedule is like. They get the tough, tough games that they play. They get Iowa at home. They get Illinois at home. You know, their their remaining road games after this are Northwestern, Maryland, and Wisconsin. Who Wisconsin's melting? So, yeah, I, I don't. Uh, I, I this they may be a a one or two loss team. I mean, they might lose in the Big Ten tournament, but they're they're probably a three loss team then going into the tournament. They're going to be a one seed. I just don't trust. I don't trust this team come tournament time necessarily, at least to go all the way. They haven't proven that they're capable of it. Speaking of a team that has proven capable of going all the way as recently as last year, the Kansas Jayhawks have a in-conference matchup. We're going to project them as two-point road favorites against Iowa State. And this is kind of the, the marquee battle right now in the Big 12. Like if you said pick the the two best teams in the conference right now. This is probably them. Although Iowa State starting to show, show some chinks in the or in, in the armor, like a loss at Texas Tech when they had a twenty three point lead. Now that was Monday. So I would they, love to, I would love to not talk about that anymore. That was one of the more painful. I think it was the most painful loss of my season. I, I dodged somehow <laughs> through the first three months of this season. I had made it. Where I didn't have any of those that made me want to cry. I mean, yeah, the banked in three obsession in November was pretty bad, but yeah, that one was probably the worst. I mean, if if I have one worse than that, uh, someone's going to need to hold my hand or something like that. Well, Kansas had their swoon a little earlier uh, when they lost their three games in a row. Bill Self had never lost four games in a row, and they blew out Kentucky on the road, and then handily beat Kansas State back at home to avenge that overtime loss. So they're starting to build some momentum back. How do you see this matchup playing out? Iowa State at home. Again, we're going to project Kansas about a two-point favorite uh, in at Ames. 
Yeah, so this was a really close game the first time I played it. I, or Excuse me, I did not play it. I was very close to playing Iowa State, but I was like, I just don't know how they're going to do on the road in the fog. Um, it was honestly back and forth the whole time. Ended up a two-point result in the favor of Kansas at home, and I, th- I think if it was on the road, they would have lost. Um, I'm pretty into Iowa State here, and unfortunately, I'm loving a lot of home dogs, which I have kind of found a little bit of success this season, stepping out a little bit beyond my comfort zone with the home teams. Uh, I don't know if that's like a two years removed from COVID thing or or however you describe it. I'm not sure. Um, Iowa State, unfortunately, when they go on the road, they foul so much that it really puts them in a bad position. I think that's really why they lost uh, the Texas Tech game overall. Uh, I I thought I wasn't going to talk about it, but here we go. Um, I don't think that they get called for as many fouls at home, which is a big deal. And I think that's going to be a situation here where they're going to be really physical with Kansas. They're probably going to try to keep this a very low possession game, maybe look to an under potentially first half under is usually how I prefer to do it because you can avoid fouling at the end, especially as this one's expected to be close. Uh, but Kansas, I think they had that three game swoon, which at K-State at home to TCU was the biggest surprise of them all than at Baylor. Um, I don't, I think that's just going to happen in big 12 play. Uh, I don't necessarily think that they're when at Kentucky, it was impressive for sure, but I don't think that was like surprising based on our podcast and what we were talking about. So, uh, cause we didn't mention that game or cover that game specifically. Um, I just, I don't love this Kansas team. I thought speaking of winning the national championship, it was one of the least deserved title winners. I think, and I can remember um, but I think they are a wounded dog on the road, potentially. And I think Iowa State catching any sort of price here will be very close, if not on my card. The thing that worries me, and I, I'm probably going to end up being like totally passing this game. But the, here's the things that worry me, like Iowa State in a close game. And if we expect this game to be close, Iowa State is like dreadful when it comes to free throw shooting like not just like below at like they're an awful awful three-point shooting team which doesn't really make a lot of sense uh but that's just what it is um the other thing that worries me is they rely so heavily on creating turnovers for their defense to work and kansas takes pretty good care of the ball um the other thing is that Kansas doesn't necessarily rely on outside shooting to score. And those teams, I trust more on the road. If you're not having to, to count on, on shots dropping on the road, I, I trust your offense a little bit more if you can get stuff at the basket. And I think Kansas, especially against Iowa State, is more likely to be able to get stuff at the basket than they are uh, from outside. Um, I, I'm with you that I don't want to fade the the Hilton magic, which has been so strong the last this year, especially, but the last couple years even. Uh, but there are some matchup things here that make me want to just stay away from this game altogether. So uh, not no strong feel for me. I I'd lean to I, I guess I'd lean to the the dog here, but just because I think it's kind of a coin flip. Uh, but the the free throw shooting and. I think Kansas is in a Kansas or Iowa State's inability to turn Kansas over, and the fact that Iowa State turns the ball over quite a bit themselves, those are the things that are going to keep me off this thing. Yeah, I don't blame you. I also don't love that it's an 11 a.m. start in Ames. Like, why couldn't we push this to like 8 p.m. and just get everyone hopped up on natural light? <laughs> well, that yeah, uh, I imagine that's the Iowa way. Uh, is, Maybe it's is, bush light. I apologize. I think it's bush light, but it's okay. Wh- whatever it is, 
Whatever they do, they go to KC every year, the Power and Light District, and supposedly drink everyone out of, I think it's Bush Light now. Um, and so maybe that'll be on tap at 9 a.m. In, in Ames, because what else is there to do there? Let's look at a big matchup, and this one will be a late tip, a 10.30 Eastern tip on Saturday. Gonzaga at St. Mary's. Uh, we're going to go ahead and project St. Mary's at four. Ken Palm calls it five. If I had to bet which side of four it falls on, I'd bet it falls closer to three than four uh, because I think Gonzaga is always going to get that that kind of respect, especially with a plus next to their name. That's that's a rare thing. Uh, I'll take the lead on this one. I think we may be entering the realm of Gonzaga being undervalued, which it's been several years since we were there. Uh, but I, I think the you know the the loss at home that everybody was like what they lost to Loyola at home. I mean, yes, they lost a they lost a game at home for like the first time in in fifty years. Like we've got to at least give them a, a little break here. Uh, this team is still pretty talented for a West Coast Conference team. Are they a national championship contender? Probably not. I mean, they've had much more talented teams that couldn't win a title, so I, I don't think this one will. And and then on the other side, St. Mary's may be reaching overvalued uh, range. When you look at who they've beat, and anytime you're able to put up a 19 and four record, that's impressive. But I mean, their their best win is San Diego State uh, on a neutral. Uh, other than that, their best win is probably Oral Roberts' first game of the season at home. Like they they really haven't faced many teams that have like power five talent and the the only ones that they did Washington who really has not great power five talent but does have power five talent they lost to them in overtime they lost to New Mexico at home and they lost to Houston uh so I I think maybe this St. Mary's we're, we're building up this monster like they're oh they're running away with the West Coast Conference they're eight no they're the new Gonzaga I I think it's probably maybe being overblown a little bit here and seeing them struggle this weekend at BYU really kind of opened my eyes to that. Like they had a really hard time scoring against a BYU team that I don't think much of. Uh, so I, if I'm getting outside of possession, it's probably Gonzaga for me here. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you're looking the other way. <laughs> it's funny you say that because I really haven't been as clued into SMC this year, St. Mary's college. Um, but have kind of read through the grapevine, seen on Twitter that a lot of people are in love with them. Um, of course, always a metrics darling. And uh, I just don't really feel like Gonzaga is the same team that we even thought they were in November, December, January. It just feels like every blow they're taking just seems like they're going lower and lower down my totem pole. Um, from a betting perspective in this game, because that's what everyone's tuning in for, uh, it is St. Mary's or nothing for me. I don't think that I'm ever really likely to, to lay points outside of a possession. I think especially not here, though, because I think it's going to be a low-scoring game if St. Mary's gets what they want. Um, I guess there's potential for a blowout, but I don't really see that. And a lot of times when I'm betting a home favorite, or just a favorite in general, that's what I'm hoping for. Um, I think that there's uh, certainly... 
a case to be made for Gonzaga that this is a, a, a perfect value spot where you're getting them far lower than you're seeing this number from earlier the season or what it was expected to be um, even a few weeks ago. Um, but this is a spot, a forever thorn in Gonzaga's side that I feel like St. Mary's can win this game, um, should win this game at home. And uh, if the number comes short, I'll be very interested. Torvik, for example, has 9.3 as the spread of this one. I doubt oh, there's zero high. chance of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's he's a little bit out there. But uh, at this point, um, I mean, maybe at plus nine, I'm interested in Gonzaga. But I think anything close <laughs> to minus three, I'm very interested in the Gales. All right, let's go to the ACC. This is probably the worst Duke-North Carolina matchup in recent memory. But, you know, we talked about Indiana-Purdue being a big rivalry. This is still a big rivalry, especially last year, the way North Carolina uh, basically shit on the parade of Mike Krzyzewski uh, so publicly. Uh, We're going to go ahead and project this as a, a duke I, I i've kind of gone back and forth on this I, i'm thinking it's going to be duke around four and a half um and I, I this one is tough because i think widehead status is pretty key and there's rumors that maybe he's back for this game uh i think duke really needs him back because you know, their team was built around these freshmen and Jeremy Roach and the freshman Proctor's been fine. Uh, Filipowski's actually been really good. Whitehead's important, was expected to be maybe the most important of them. And the guy, the number one overall recruit, this Derek Lively kid has fouled out more times than he scored double digits. Like he, he may be a, an absolute bust and he, you know, he's a seven foot one dude. He, he could be, uh, you know, he could sit the bench the whole year and still get drafted probably, but I, I don't think he's helping them in this game. So, and obviously with the way Filipowski's been playing, it, there's not much need to have him out there. Uh, but I think Whitehead's status really, if he doesn't play, I'm not comfortable laying a number with Duke, uh, particularly because I think North Carolina does have the front court to to slow down Filipowski and maybe make things tough on him. Obviously, a rivalry game. This is it, it's. I expect it to be ugly. North Carolina can't shoot. Uh, Duke can't shoot. I, this is. It should be sort of a, a dogfight kind of a game. Uh, Ken Palm has it projected at one forty-two. I'd be surprised if we see one hundred and forty-two points in this game. Uh, so I, I would lean to the dog here. Although if Whitehead plays, it's it's. It, I've gonna, I'm not going to have any interest in North Carolina. It's weird. This is honestly, I think, as you said, the least excited I think I've ever been for a Duke Carolina game. I mean, two teams that I think we have both been trying to go against a lot of this season. And uh, I don't feel like that kind of philosophy has changed. Uh, investigating the dog a little bit more um, with UNC on the road. I mean, what a nice job losing to Pitt at home for the, the biggest game of the year. And I really don't think it was a look ahead. I think Pitt, really outplayed them. Um, There's a couple of chances for UNC to pull away. They couldn't do it because they don't really play an intelligent brand of basketball. Ultimately, I think Hubert Davis is in way over his head, uh, had a national championship literally in their locker room and uh, gave it away last end of last season. And then they were number one because everyone came back. Um, unfortunately, Armando Baycott is, is kind of alone on an island because RJ Davis is the best other player on that team. Caleb Love is like a streak ruiner because he takes 
some of the worst shots in basketball. It worked because he got hot last year in the NCAA tournament, but he also was an 11 11% three-point shooter at one point in his freshman year. So um, they're going to go on the road to Cameron Indoor, and they're going to launch threes, unfortunately, from the Caleb Love perspective. Um, Pete Nance has kind of been struggling lately. I don't know if that's injury-related. And then I just don't know if there's enough on the UNC side to really get in there and, and do anything that's going to go on the road and win. Um, I don't love Duke either. I, I think they're a team I, I'm looking to be against. Um, it's just really hard to fade them in that in that building. But I mean, especially after what UNC did to Duke last year, one of my best friends is really. I mean, I, I think he did, he really wanted a national championship, but knocking Coach K out of the Final Four in his last game was probably the best thing that could have ever happened to the guy. Um, <laughs> and I got to say that that I just don't see that repeating itself, just because I don't trust this UNC team whatsoever. Yeah, I, I don't trust either team. So it, again, it'll probably be a stay away for me either way. I don't, I don't really want to be involved with either team right now, but because I, I don't think either one of them is any good. So, um, sounds like we kind of agree on this. Let's move on to best bets. But first, Griffin, let's save some uh, money. Uh, that's right. It's unfortunately it's not our names in in this one this time, which was I got to say really weird reading a promo code whatever and mentioning myself. But here we go. Uh, use the promo code assist 20, um, like Caleb love who doesn't like to pass. He's going to be throwing a lot of assists, uh, getting that assist rate of 72, 17.2% up. If he can, uh, it's good for 20% off for all listeners. Of this college basketball podcast assist 20. It's good for seven days from the podcast release. Use it to buy AJ or my picks. We have season long stuff out there, which I think is still available. Um, I'm doing soccer stuff. AJ is working on UFC right before the pod. So plenty of stuff if you want to get some money in there, potentially, you know, grab some ROI, come along for the ride. It's a really fun thing. And, uh, you know, our best bets have been pretty hot lately. I think we've had two losses in our last five five shows. So take that eight and two and 80% all the way to the window. Um, I think since I won last time, I'll go first, AJ, if you don't mind on this one. Oh, I'd love it. Okay. Um, it's a little bit of a switch up, but, you know, we're trying to get that 2-0 mojo back to us and uh i gotta say i'm going close to home fading my alma mater i'm I'm playing kansas state aj swami projection was k-state minus one i'll play it up to minus three a home game certainly some revenge from texas's first uh outing against k-state where they put up the worst defensive metrics i think i've ever seen from a texas program um i'm not saying that will happen again necessarily i don't think we'll see a 1.4 point per possession or anything like that but i think texas is a really scary offense to go on the road and try to win games and uh they're still getting a lot of love for the metrics out there um the tennessee performance was pretty problematic and i just i don't love what texas has done what they unfortunately with their coaching situation that's confusing and difficult and, and they're doing the best they can and have kind of come out um, of the river clean on the other side so far. Uh, but I think this is going to be a really tough matchup for them. And K-State and the Octagon of Doom will have a huge crowd behind them. And I just think it's a really tough position for Texas to go in and win. It's going to be hard for them to stay within a number or cover on the road without winning. So I'm taking K-State minus one, but I'll play it up to minus three as my best bet. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, you know, I think Texas is really one of the bigger question marks in college basketball right now like because i've said before i I think this team is a top 10 talent standpoint team and obviously the the coaching you know shake up this season wasn't something that they planned on but 
I, I really do think it's kind of undervalued them. So I'm a little scared to, to fade Texas right now. I thought uh, against Baylor what was maybe a good spot to do it. I ended up passing, but I, uh, that was, uh, you know, I, pl- I did play Texas against Tennessee and, and Tennessee blew them out. Uh, the final score closer than the, the game was, but sure. I, this Texas team just feels like, man, unless they're going against a really elite team, they feel like they're in everything. And the idea that Kansas State blew them out at home makes me feel like this is a, a sort of a big uh, revenge spot for them. But then I, the other side of that coin is Texas has look ahead to Kansas. And I, I know when you were at school and when I when I worked, you know, at the University of Texas or I, I worked at the Longhorn Station there, the the one game where you knew the building was going to be full was the Kansas game. Like that. So True. that, that like Texas basketball looks at Kansas as their rival because, it, you know, I don't know that can't, I'm sure Kansas doesn't look at Texas that way, but Texas looks as that as like, Oh, that's, this is a big game. I think the Texas players look at this as this is a big game. So I, I think there is some look ahead. So I'd lean your way, but I'm, I'm a little afraid to, uh, to, to fade Texas these days. I don't blame you. They're really solid. And, uh, or we are really, solid. I'm not sure how to put that, but um, I, I'm looking forward to rooting for them in the tournament and hopefully not having bets against them. But that's just kind of the fact of my life with the UT basketball program. I just, my biggest fear is in a, even in a tight game late, who are you going to go to down the stretch? I don't think Timmy Allen's that guy. And I don't think Marcus Carr makes enough shots uh, for the shots that he takes all right i'm gonna go to my best bet and i have a feeling you're not gonna like this oh boy let's go because i'm laying 15 points uh, projected and i'm gonna go with marquette against butler and the last couple times we've texted back and forth we text our cards some money actually we text our cards almost every day and uh i keep telling you please don't play butler they are absolutely terrible and I, I've been right for the most part. I'm going to give you the last few results for Butler basketball. Lost to Seton Hall at home by 21. Lost at Providence by 21. Lost at Connecticut by 30. Lost at home to Creighton by 21. They broke it up and they beat Villanova at home. Then they went, or before that, they lost at St. John's by 15. Before that, lost at Seton Hall by 25. Uh, they have three more. I'm, I'm not going to go through all of them. They have three more 20-plus point losses in conference play. So overall, you've got a team that's lost by over 20 points, eight out of their nine conference losses, and now they are playing what I think is, if not the best team in the conference, one of the best teams in the conference in Marquette at their building. And if I have to lay 15 or 16, I, I think I'm going to be okay with it. Uh, Marquette, we, I talked about you know the teams that, that get points easy at the basket. Marquette is absolutely that. That's where Butler struggles to defend. Marquette turns you over, and the, the way that teams are able to mitigate that against Marquette is the, the teams that, that rebound offense, offensive rebounding. If, if you're good at offensive rebounding, you can kind of create enough extra possessions where the turnovers won't kill you. Butler is 348th nationally in offensive rebounding rate. They are not going to punish Marquette, who isn't a great defensive rebounding team. That's why, it, it you know, that's the way to to kind of hang with them. I just think Butler's built wrong, and this Marquette team is they're they're playing good ball right now. 
Butler is is about as bad as they could be. You know, I feel like this Marquette team is quietly turned into like a a, a dark horse. Like I, I, it wouldn't shock me if this team made a tournament run. Uh, the preseason expectations didn't say that, but uh, like what the results have been, it's kind of hard to deny at this point. This team is really good playing in a really good conference, uh, and now they get a chance to bully up against a a Butler team that's just been non-competitive. And I'll tell you this, there's some mojo working for Shaka right now, you, and really Marquette backers right now. If you bet Marquette this weekend or this week against Villanova, and I felt a little bad for Villanova backers, but the number was eight and a half for a lot of people. That was the best number you could get on Villanova. And Villanova missed a wide open dunk uh, at the end of the game and lost by nine. So everything seems to be going Marquette's way. Everything seems to be going your way if you back Marquette and in a, against a team that I really have been loving fading. Uh, this is just a home run spot for me. So I'm going to be on the squarest of square best bets, Marquette minus 15 at home against the Butler Bulldogs. I don't hate it. Um, I'm just at a point now with Butler where I don't look to them anymore uh, as an actual opportunity to, to waste on. So, uh, <laughs> they are, honestly, I, they're a disaster, man. I don't know what happened, but they they are a complete disaster. That Mata, uh, not a good first year at Butler. Yeah, uh, I think that experiment should be closed and they should move on <laughs> to somebody else. But hearing Laval Jordan talk on Fox Sports doesn't make me think that they really had much of a clue for the past few years. Yeah, things aren't going well. Like, what's crazy is they beat Kansas State early in the season. Oh, and guess think, who had K-State in that one? Oh, was it you? It, it was. Uh, yeah, they, they they blew them out. And it was like, man, that's a, that's a pretty strong win. And at that point, their losses were Penn State, Tennessee, and NC State. And it was like, okay, this team's not bad. And as soon as Big East play started, it was like, oh, this nothing is going right for this team. They... And I think they're at the point where I, it feels like they're just kind of quitting, uh, at least with re- like you lose by 21 to Seton Hall. There's games where Seton Hall doesn't score 21 points and you're I mean, losing you, by 20. You definitely save you save me on that one, because that was one I was like, "Ooh, this is my spot. I love going against Seton Hall. Butler's got a good home court. And then I'm very happy that you talked to me. You, I would say you dissuaded me from that one. Yeah, 21 points at home. It, it, they're, they're a nightmare. So uh, that's where I'm looking. So hopefully that gets us to a, another 2-0 and o week. Uh, I, I feel like we're we're due to get back on that. Uh, but you know what? The, if we go 1-1, one and one, like there, there's worse things, especially after we went, what, four straight weeks with 2-0s. Uh, 1-1 uh, one one is it, – it beats losing is what they say. So uh, I'll, I'll take it. But I do think we're due to get back on that 2-0 and o train. All right, Griffin, uh, great job as always. Uh, and thanks to you guys, the listeners, for tuning in and riding with us. We get a lot of feedback from you on Twitter. When we lose the best bets, it's not always the best <laughs> feedback. I understand. Uh, I, like, I win five straight best bets on the pod, and I'm feeling really good, and I lose one, and I'm suddenly a giant asshole. So uh, I, I guess that's part of the business that you just got to deal with. But it's all right. I still love you guys. That's the important thing is I'm trying my best to give you winners because – when I give you these plays, I'm playing them myself, and I, it pains me when they lose as well. So uh, hopefully that is 
the last loser you get for me for another week or two. I'm, I'm let's I'm hope. Like I'm I, a, cheers to that, baby. I can't wait. I mean, I I'm sad no one's been coming after me lately. So maybe I need to get a little more popular or something like that. Well, you've been but, winning too much. Like, uh, you maybe, know, is that it? <laughs> yeah, I guess that's it. All right, for Griffin Warner, I'm AJ Hoffman. We'll be back on Sunday night, preparing you for the early slate, or early week slate uh, for next week's games. But enjoy the weekend, and uh, good luck.